Central banks are getting more aggressive, it seems. That's why we saw yields push even higher last week in the United States. A big U-turn in the UK, where the government is in a bit of a mess, it's fair to say. But even with talk of tax rises now and spending cuts, the Bank of England is still saying that they're going to have to do more, with yields still rising on Friday. Enormous volatility over there. And what's going to help the Aussie dollar, which took a bit of a trouncing again on Friday? Plus, what have we heard and what can we expect from the People's Congress in China? That and so much more. It's a busy one. It's Monday, the 17th of October, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, we saw a rise in the US dollar on Friday. It was up 0.8% on the DXY, but only up half that amount if you look across the entire week. But it's uh, uh, now just 0.7% below its recent highs. So that could easily be made up in a day, couldn't it? The Aussie dollar feeling the most heard on Friday. It lost 1.6%, uh, down below 62 US cents and down 2.7% across the week last week. And the yen, well, that was down another 1% uh, on Friday and down 2.5% over the week as well. The speed of decline is accelerating there it seems even the pound is doing better than those two down 1.4 percent on friday uh, it could well be down again today but uh, it actually was up a bit over the week last week but it's those gilt yields that are causing the problem for the uk 30-year yields finished the week at 4.78 percent that's not far short of the high they hit well they're just below five percent weren't they before the bank of england stepped in right at the end of last month and of course you know the bank of england still buying up bonds on friday so that's the yield with bank intervention uh, it's in the US, it's inflation, not the uh, concerns over the ability of the government, uh, which has seen one-year yields now above 4.54%, up about 25 basis points during the session on Friday, and shares down. Uh, it was just weird, wasn't it, that they rose so much on Thursday, but they came crashing back down again on Friday, a 3.1% fall in the NASDAQ, down 2.4% for the S&P 500 and 1.4% for the Dow, all down over the week. Curiously, European stocks were up on Friday, the DAX up north. 0.7%, for example, and up on the week as well. But big falls in oil, almost a 4% drop in WTI. Brent was down 3.1% to 91.60 a barrel. That's a 6.4% drop in a week, despite the best efforts of OPEC Plus, which, of course, had seen oil on the rise the week before. So Rodrigo Catrill joins me uh, this week on the, uh, this, well, this morning, anyway, uh, on the morning call. He had a bit of a heart attack. Then you thought you were doing it every day, didn't you, Rodrigo? Uh, so uh, the strong dollar we've got falling shares rising bond yields and uh, that's what we would have expected on thursday isn't it as the uh, the cpi print was released it just took a, a day to fully materialize and uh, for the markets to get the hang of it it seems it did and um, i suppose it also um, gives us a, a sign of reassurance if you like that the, the price action on, on on thursday was really all about sort of that short covering mm. um, and the sort of repositioning of markets um, that it wasn't likely to, to be longer lasting. Um, and I suppose the, the reassessment or, of the CPI numbers as well as, um, the Michigan uh, survey, which released those inflation expectation numbers, yeah. not only for the one year, but the, uh, the five year, um, that, that proved to be a, a lot higher. I mean, the market was sort of expecting a small decline in those numbers and in the end we actually got stronger yeah, numbers. 5.1% so, was the short term one wasn't that from 4.7% 5.1% yeah. and the market was looking for 4.6 mm. um, and of course for the 5 year 10 year uh, it was only a small uptick to 2.9 from 2.8 uh, but again the market was also looking for a small downtick um, and because the Fed has talked a lot about those inflation expectations how important they are um, and particularly mentioned in the University of Michigan 
I think that combination of sort of reassessment of CPI numbers from the previous day, plus all these uh, inflation expectations numbers really spooked the market. And we saw that big, big uh, jump in um, in 10-year Treasury yields and a repricing in particular of, of that terminal rate next year. So um, just to give you a sense there, in May next year, uh, we saw that uh, expectations saw the Fed funds rate uh, jump seven basis points to 496. So we're getting very close to that 5% level. Mm. Um, and the market, of course, getting more nervous about, um, you know, how hard the Fed has to go before it decides to pause. So, well, James Bullard's been talking about uh, front-end stacking, hasn't he? And uh, maybe t- maybe easing off next year, but 150 basis points basically before the end of the year, 75 at the next two meetings. Yeah, he opened the door. He's, he said, look, I'm, I'm still pretty happy with 75 and uh, uh, potentially another uh, 75 in December. Um, but certainly another 50. Um, so he's still uh, looking for 125 basis points for this year. Um, and then I suppose uh, he also talked uh, this this idea that, you know, the Fed is going hard now uh, and next year is going to be all about data dependency. And, and that data dependency means that they may hike more if their data continues to prove very strong or they may even cut if there is there is a severe slowdown on, on, on the way. Um, so he's quite open-minded, if you like, for, for next year. And I suppose the relevance here is that Bullard has been uh, really good and uh, calling the Fed in a sense of not, not only before started hiking, uh, but also as, as they've been hiking, he's been sort of being a leading light, if you like, in terms of what the Fed's going to do. So that, mm. that's a relevant uh, kind of point to make. But is, is a slowdown starting to happen or will it happen so i mean if the fed pushes up rates and the u.s dollar keeps getting stronger then that's going to make their imports cheaper so you know arguably they'd feel inflation less i mean you know it's potentially worse for everybody else i mean could could the u.s sort of equalize as as we see the fed basically influencing that strength in the u.s dollar well i suppose from a a uh, U.S. perspective, a, a stronger dollar at the moment is actually a welcome uh, mm. outcome because it, it 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 helps to to ease those inflationary pressures. Um, yeah, um, worse for everyone else, but good for the states. Yeah, but it's always been the case, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, someone's got to win, someone's got to lose, and we know which way it normally works. Well, because we saw, I'm wondering whether we're starting to see the slowdown already, because those retail sales on Friday, they were flat in September. Uh, we've got inventories rising up 0.6% on the month. Import and export prices both actually continue to fall. So all of that surely points to you know a slowdown in demand and also a slowdown in prices. Could this be the beginning? Well, the, the retail sales numbers was interesting because it's, it's quite a mix and, and it's also quite a combination of numbers that you get so um, you talk about the, the headline number but uh, when you look at the core reading um, it was actually quite it, it ticked up for 2.3 from 0.2 uh, also when you look at the control mm. group which is the one that goes into the GDP number it also ticked up um, so from a GDP perspective mm. um, the, the retail sales numbers not only uh, are encouraging in the sense that we, we might actually expect a, a stronger Q3 GDP but it also may be indicative of, of actually momentum into Q4 as well. So in terms of the right. consumer, what we're seeing at the moment is that, yes, uh, there are signs of, um, you know, troubles, if you like, in the housing market in particular. Um, mortgage rates, you know, rising significantly tell you that, you know, those headwinds are probably going to intensify over coming months. Um, but at the moment, the, the consumer behavior hasn't yet changed significantly to, you know, to a downturn, if you like. Uh, whilst at the same time, we've got to remember that uh, the labor market is still very solid. Um, right. So, again, 
whilst you're worried about inflation, uh, you're still comfortable that you have a job and that you're actually getting paid or that you've got expectations of an increase in salary. So that is still keeping uh, the economy pretty buoyant. Right. But what about then oil? Because we've seen, even though OPEC is uh, you know trying to keep those prices up, they're falling. We saw a big fall on Friday, as I said in the introduction. And inventories well up as well uh, at the end of last week as well. So surely we can take that as a sign that there is... Even not less demand now. There's an expectation that there's less. Well, actually, if inventories are going up, then presumably we are seeing less demand right now. Presumably, yes. Uh, the, I mean, the oil market at the moment is also very nervous because of those comments coming from the U.S. as well, that they're really not happy about um, uh, what Saudi Arabia has done so far in terms of supporting these these cats. Hmm. Um, and there's there's a bit of a question mark as to exactly what is uh, the UK government planning to do about that. Uh, so, uh, but overall, yeah. certainly uh, those those uh, increasing inventories, you need to see a trend. You need to see sort of a, a you know a series of numbers uh, pointing to to an increase in inventories. Uh, and that will give us more certainty that indeed there's, there's been a pullback in terms of demand. Yeah, and we're, we're not going to see any more oil coming out of Iran either because those uh, those talks on a nuclear deal are on hold, as you might imagine, particularly with news over the weekend that Iran might be sending more missiles to Russia, uh, yep. which is not going to go down terribly well with anybody. Uh, now, the UK. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> Where do we start? What, 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 what a mess. So Liz Truss, uh, as we record this, she's still prime minister. No guarantee that we can say that tomorrow. But as we know, you know, they've changed their chancellor. Uh, Mr. Kwarteng came back from the IMF on Friday, a day early, went straight from uh, airport arrivals to House of uh, Commons departures. Uh, there's still no faith in the government, though, is there? I mean, guilt yields kept rising as the day went on, even though they're there now with a complete U-turn saying, well, we're going to, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do the opposite of what we said. You know, we're going to increase taxes. We're going to cut spending. And yet still... Yields keep rising, despite intervention from the Bank of England, which supposedly isn't going to be around this week. Yeah. So I suppose there's a couple of things to really stress here. The, the magnitude of the volatility in, in the UK rates market was it was huge. You know, if we think mm. about a 58 basis point range in the 30 year rates, uh, that's 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 a lot of volatility. Um, and as you say, um, this came about after the announcement of um, uh, Liz Truss, um, you know, sacking Kwasi uh, Kwarteng, uh, and yet uh, also making sort of a U-turn, if you like, on 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 some of those um, on the on the corporate tax in particular. Uh, and the volatility in market basically said, tells us that the market is still not happy with the the the, the movements or the pullbacks or U-turns that uh, the government had done at, at that stage. Um, so um, I suppose it linked on to that, we also had comments coming from the new chancellor over the weekend uh, suggesting that everything is, is on the table in terms of re-examination of the whole fiscal plan, um, uh, including, you know, those uh, windfall taxes and, and, and so on. So um, the, the relevant stuff here is that it looks like the government or at least the chancellor, the new chancellor, is literally moving in the opposite direction of all the promises that Liz, Liz Truss made <laughs> during her campaign. Yeah. Making so the position unattainable. Um, yeah, which whilst, raises the question, what is the point of Liz Truss? I mean, not, you know, as, as prime minister, not what's the point of her uh, holistically, but as prime minister. And, and that's why Andrew Bailey uh, from the Bank of England said, you know, through all of this, because of all of this uncertainty, we might require a stronger response than we perhaps thought in August. 
even though they're doing a, a swift reverse in in absolutely everything. But it is just uncertainty, isn't it? That's the thing. It's it's not the case of well, they you know they, they they've gone now to a, a situation where they're not spending as much. And the I think the big fear was, wasn't it? It was spending government uh, increasing uh, government debt whilst cutting tax. So it's fine to increase government debt, like you know the Australian government is saying nine billion over the weekend, nine billion. Uh, being spent on infrastructure spending because that will have some payback. It's just this idea of making tax cuts and that going straight into the uh, in, into the public purse without any clear idea that it's necessarily going to result in growth. Well, yeah. So, so um, there's there's certainly that that point to make um, that this way unfunded tax into an into something that is not going to generate an income. Um, so, but the other thing that we've got to remember um, is that uh, Europe and the UK as well are faced with this huge um, crisis in terms of that energy, huge bills that uh, households are facing going into winter as well as businesses. Mm. So, so there's a need to to deal with that problem today, uh, and then. And I suppose that's a big question mark coming from the Bank of England. So the Bank of England not only has this sort of stability obligation, which has been intervened uh, last week in order to keep markets calm, but then now the question mark will be, okay, if the government goes ahead with those support for energy price caps, um, that then means that individuals uh, are going to have more money to spend uh, and inflation mm. is still elevated and, and therefore – uh, that's what that was one of the comments that the governor made uh, over the weekend, saying we still no, will need to, to be forceful in terms of keeping right. that uh, inflation levels down. Yeah, but I mean, they, they but the cap. I mean, energy prices have shot up so much, and they got they got cap sizable caps as well going on in Europe. Energy prices are still well above where they were. So uh, you know, so if you if you if you're cutting back, if you're increasing tax, plus people are spending more on energy. I don't think, uh, and then there's cuts to government services. I don't think the Bank of England has to worry too much about there being a slowdown in the economy. It's being it's attacking on three or four fronts without him pushing interest rates up at a, a faster rate. But we'll see how it all unwinds. I mean, there's so many moving parts, aren't there? Let's it look is. At, I, I uh, want to sorry, the last point to make on that is that mm. particularly in terms of the currency, we've got to remember that yeah. the currency has found a very, very strong support by this huge increase in rate hike expectations uh, that the market is expecting the Bank of England will do. Um, yeah. So 100 basis points over the next, uh, you know, 60 days. Um, if it doesn't deliver on that, then we probably should be mindful of the volatility that's likely to persist in the currency as well. Right. Okay. Well, we're talking about volatile currencies. So what's going on with the Aussie dollar? And, and you know, is that is that, I mean, it, it's obviously US dollar strength, but the Aussie is, uh, is feeling it more than most. Feeling it more than most. Yes. So... I think one of the themes that we've been stressing about the Aussie dollar is that it's true to form. It really is the risk currency of the world. It's, it's, mm. It re- mm. reflects those, you know, uh, risk on and risk off. Um, and what we're seeing at the moment as well is that um, also the Aussie dollar is one of the most liquid currencies in the world. So it makes it very attractive to express those views. Um, and of course, the volatility in, in the equity market, uh, you know, with the VIX, uh, you know, over 30 um, and those swings of, you know, risk on and risk off uh, are affecting the Aussie dollar significantly. And we see being that reflected. Now, the other sort of emerging headwind, if you like, for, for the Aussie has been this divergence in terms of uh, Fed and RBA policy. Um, you know, until recently, what we were seeing is that as soon as, you know, rate hike expectations increase in, in the US, then uh, we had a similar sort of uptick in, in Australia. 
Uh, but ever since that, you know, the, the RBA shifted down towards that 25 basis point hike, uh, the market is now differentiating a, a little bit more between what is going on in the US and what's going on here. Um, so that uplift in, in the terminal rates uh, that we've seen in the US, which is now approaching 5%. In Australia, we were still lingering around 3.8. And, and that, that widening mm. gap between the two is actually becoming also a headwind for the Aussie. So volatility in markets, uncertainty, plus this, this nuisance, nuance, if you like, between the Fed and RBA expectations. It's, it's again it is a nuisance as well. <laughs> yes. I mean, in Australia, it doesn't have the same sized issue, so the RBA doesn't have to tackle it with the same to the same extent, does it? But I mean, it, but it, it, if the, the the price to pay for that, as you say, is the weakening currency. Yep. Just uh, very quickly, uh, China, um, the uh, People's Congress uh, that's uh, that's kicked off. President Xi spoke for uh, actually he only spoke for two hours. I think he spoke for three and a half hours last time. Yeah. Mind you, he's still got a long way to get up to Liz Truss's eight minutes, including questions from. Uh, questions from journalists that's difficult to beat isn't it but he talked about uh, dangerous storms ahead but um, I mean did you take anything at all from that and what can we expect during the week I mean he he did talk about Taiwan and he talked about a peaceful reunification although he said you know they'll use force if they have to but you know that's all been said before uh, I mean I think the general take from it was that he was uh, trying to cool uh, cool things down a little bit perhaps um, yeah, so our, our sort of broad read of the, all of this is, is a few important takeaways. Uh, as we suspected, uh, COVID zero is here to stay. Yeah. There's no signal whatsoever that that is going to be removed. If anything, he highlighted the, the strength and the importance of it. Um, uh, the issue around tech is also this growing and emerging concern uh, in terms of those tensions. We've got to remember that those new restrictions that President Biden administration has introduced is significant. And yet, uh, President Xi has made it very clear that self-reliance is, is a paramount goal for the party. Um, and, uh, and this is, this tension is, is likely to become a focus over the next couple of years. Um, and as you say, Taiwan, um, I suppose, uh, a reiteration that re- re- reunification is going to happen without a doubt. And that mm. uh, if it, that entails, you know, the use of force, uh, it will happen. So I suppose there's no new message there, but certainly a reminder um, that there's not a shift in terms of um, China's position. In well, regard. we get their GDP data and their activity data uh, on Tuesday. We get their, their one-year medium-term lending facility rate uh, today. Uh, RBA minutes on Tuesday as well. Jobs data on Thursday for Australia. Uh, today, I do, maybe we just finish on this very quickly. New Zealand gets its performance services index. Uh, perhaps more interesting is going to be their CPI tomorrow. Uh, but their yields were up quite a bit last week as well, weren't they? Right across the curve. So, uh, you know, I mean, they're suffering the same disease as the, the rest of the world, even though they went early on hikes. Even though they went early. And, and I suppose... They've been in leading light in that regard, right? Because uh, even though there's been mm. a slowdown in the economy, they have continued. Um, so it's a reminder of, of, you know, what's going on in the U.S. and what may happen here. Uh, we're still waiting to see whether we are lagging in terms of those inflationary pressures or whether we are different and, and we're going to have a smaller inflationary pressures. Than oh, that. lucky country, mate. Uh, well, <laughs> how many times have we heard that? Uh, we'll uh, catch you again very soon. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. <laughs> After apologies. There is nothing worse than a pom trying to do an Aussie accent, is there? Uh, that's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. Been a busy one today, hasn't it? We'll catch you tomorrow. <laughs>